0: I'm go going home by <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> Uh, Hey, it's John Evanson. I want to welcome you to the next podcast in the series of podcasts presented for you by the Psychologist Association of Alberta. The purpose of the podcast is to present information that's timely, topical, and even controversial to the membership. I'm not sure why I picked this song other than I was kind of rolling through and trying to think what topics we would cover today, where we would go with this. Um, And then this popped up. Uh, This is 10 years after. It was a 60s uh, British blues invasion group. And I saw him a couple of times, um, I think. No, I did. And uh, and and kind of enjoyed them. And I'm thinking Alvin Somebody was their lead guitarist, and uh, he was as good a guitarist as you had in those days, especially um, in this um, uh, genre of British blues invasion uh, controversy. Uh, A lot of black artists created songs, and then those songs were purchased. Their song books were purchased for pittance. They went overseas and uh, British uh, blues rockers made a fortune. The Rolling Stones are best example of this. If you go to their early albums, they're playing all sorts of very early blues music and they enjoyed all the royalties uh, that came with that as opposed to the poor artists whose songs were um, purloined uh, <clears throat> based upon their 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 impoverished circumstances and their needs to sell them. So there's my social justice comment for right now. Um, Today I want to speak first off of a book uh, by Daniel Ariely, and the title of the book is Misbelief, What Makes Rational People Believe Irrational Things. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Ariely has always been a favorite of mine. I listened to his podcast for a long, long time. He's a um, uh, 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 the uh, economics he's uh, uh, teaches I think in the University of North Carolina, and his area is uh, behavioral uh, economics, kind of in the tradition of um, uh, Kahneman and Tversky. So he looks at the de- way we make decisions in in uh, allocating resources and especially, um, well financial resources, but especially psychological resources. He's the guy who, um, uh, one of his experiments was he had students uh, look at their social security number and he said read the last four numbers in your social security number and he'd have them read this and then they would uh, bid Uh, And he he would have them bid on bottles of wine or something uh, in the class. And he found that people who had higher social security numbers at the end bid bid higher. So what he looks at are the unconscious prods that cause us to um, make decisions um, that often we're completely unaware of. All right. So that said, his latest book, *Misbelief*, is uh, is really interesting, and um, I'm I'm in the pro- I've I, I read most of it, so I feel like now I kind of know its premise and where it's going. And what he looks at are the irrationalities in things like uh, conspiracy and especially the polarization in the United States and the fringes on the extreme on both right and left but mostly from his point of view on the right. The uh, book is in large part autobiographical and he said I wrote this when I discovered on conspiracy sites that I was a traitor and should be tried as a war criminal and people were advocating that I would be hung. And I try. He says in his book that he tried to figure out how how this could have happened because he said he has always tried to fight on the side of the angels. That is to produce research that is enabling and beneficial to individuals and society. Nonetheless, he said because he has done work with the government and for the government on things like vaccination compliance, COVID masking compliance, on looking at children in the educational process that was taking place uh, outside of schools, uh, individuals had interpreted his work as being part of some grand conspiracy to uh, um, uh, promote big pharma. Uh, To uh, perpetuate the what they saw was the the myth of COVID, to separate children from family and on and on. Uh, So what he's called this is misbelief. So the reason I started with this is I always say here's some really cool terms for us to use, and so the term misbelief. And if I had written the book, I'd have called it disbelief, uh, meaning. a a belief system that is ultimately dysfunctional in connecting us with reality. He says misbelief is like a funnel and once you go into the funnel there is a, and I'm going to introduce another term, this is not his term but this term comes from an old uh, systems thinker Gregory Bateson, he calls it the self-healing tautology, that once in that realm you are captured and held by a belief system that will heal or eliminate any ruptures in the belief system. So by believing X, you are led then to believe Y, and then Z, and Z uh, subprimes ad infinitum. Um, For example, uh, if a patient comes in and says... um, uh, I have been abducted by aliens and they're abducting lots of aliens and you say, "Uh, listen I think that's probably not the case, it sounds absurd to me. The self-healing tautology would say, "Uh uh-oh. He has already been brainwashed, or he may be working with the aliens. Ariely introduces a wonderful statement that I think we should carry around with us when we're dealing with individuals that are caught in in, in misbelief or disbelief, in Amundsen's uh, phraseology. And that is, he said, "There's a there's a, a he's Israeli, and he says there's a wonderful Jewish saying in, in Hebrew, but it translates into." You cannot prove that your sister is not a prostitute when you don't have a sister, okay? And this is that sense of the of the inability to have certain discussions with individuals uh, uh, relative to the conspiratorial uh, beliefs that they have. Now let's go to the psychology of misbelief and i'm going to keep using my term which i love is disbelief um, the psychology is, is is really quite quite simple and most of us would understand this uh, arieli says these are people experiencing stress but he doesn't mean stress in the way that we're often speaking of it is relative to stress reduction you know like like you know people come in and they'll say I'm, i need therapy because you know i experience a lot of stress in my life He means a more general stress, which I would call duress, that there is a societal duress that exists. And when that societal duress exists, uh, individuals seek to escape it by building a shield, so to speak. Uh, And that is an explanatory narrative that may not put us at all in touch with reality, but protects us from the duress that is on the other side of that shield. So what do we mean by a, a shield? Well, we've already spoken of going down the funnel. What Arielle has found is that there is no particular personality um, sort. Now I'm going to be very careful about this because there are some indications that there are characteristics, but he says it isn't a specific type of person that falls into the uh, misbelief, uh, but a whole group of individuals who are experiencing duress and then seek to rationalize the existence of that duress in ways that are not going to be ultimately very functional. right so I I think maybe I'm doing a self-healing tautology going around in circles here but the idea is I need to believe something that gives me an edge a survival edge a way to be head and shoulders above other people if you recall during the early masking uh, uh, issues there was a a scene that was actually it made the news it was in Calgary a woman in a a dry goods store uh, buying linen and she was taking on this poor young uh, salesperson and just going on at her you're all sheep you're just sheep you believe this and you're following the uh, you know the dictates of big pharma and the government and it's a myth and um, uh, and then that giving her salience uh, a significant posture in her pursuit of influence and agency uh, the greatest need, uh, William James said of an individual, of individuals, human beings, is to be appreciated. And he meant by appreciation to be noticed and have a gentic presence, in, in the world and um, uh, appreciation being more broadly defined than what we would say here's, a, here's the appreciation award for being the employee of the week, but a more general presence. So these individuals under duress say finally I have a niche, finally I have a soapbox, a place where I will have a agentic impact in the social circumstance around me. Uh, so, so um, uh, Ariely sees this, and so what he's really saying is these are individuals that are highly sensitive to duress, and that duress can be something like the emergence of a pandemic, or more generally the shifting patterns in a social system and we see in the United States the the conspiratorial reaction in the far far right as well as in Alberta and individuals that will uh, seek to adhere to values. Um, In conversations with these individuals, they'll often say, I have done my research and I would always say, Oh, um, the, uh, where did you get the research reviewed? Uh, what was the model that you used? Um, <clears throat> where has it been published? You see, and I tease them a little bit, but their idea of research is I read a bunch of things on Facebook or on YouTube that have now informed me. In the last time I had a conversation with one of these individuals, and it wasn't a patient, it was a free will situation, uh, the person turned to me and said, there are thousands of papers that have shown that COVID didn't exist. Well, well, you can see right away, um, uh, there aren't thousands of papers that showed COVID existed. I mean, not thousands, you know, there are plenty that would demonstrate the existence of COVID. but so such statements often are part of the screen, the defense against uh, uh, having to deal with the duress associated with for, in this situation, uh, COVID. So anyway, um, Arielli's book is, is, is very cool and, and, and likable and I think it's important for us uh, uh, again, because it is you know the basic psychology, of uh, dysfunctional beliefs and again how they heal. Um, this is why uh, there are certain topics and areas that we can't speak of. Hillary, Hillary Clinton, you know, in her presidential campaign, she made an error in doing this <coughs> because it cost her certain placements, but she said these are deplorables. These are individuals that are just absolutely driven by such a need to make meaning that they will graft themselves onto anything larger than themselves, and that was her comment. The deplorables. All right, so um, let's uh, let's do one more quick one before we quit. But I think uh, uh, you can read Ariely's book, or maybe you already know enough as psychologists, and he can't, uh, uh, you know, he won't be able to teach us much much more than we already know. Continuing with sort of a uh, Larger uh, theoretical and philosophical speculative speculative Mm -hmm. podcast. I want to um, uh, talk about um, an article that was um, oh it was it's it was out of the NYU New, uh, New York University. And it's called Belief in a Just God and a Just Society, a System Justification Perspective on Religious Ideology. And, uh, and, and then a second article that was published through Springer, and it was called uh, The Belief in a Just World, a Fundamental Delusion. As you know, I've spoken of religion here, both in its uh, enabling and positive aspects and also in this particular portion of the podcast some stuff about it being a little bit disabling and um i'll start with a personal anecdote uh as you can imagine with the last name amundsen being norwegian i was raised in the lutheran church and One of the beliefs in the Lutheran Church was that um, elected officials and representatives of government are are the chosen of God. In other words, they wouldn't be there if God didn't want them to be the ones making the decisions. Uh, There is uh, a theory, uh, well, I'll go into a little history of it. Uh, Martin Luther goes up and tacks some stuff on a church door defying the Catholic Church. At that time one of the practices of the church was the selling of indulgences. So the uh, lords and masters of a particular country a particular region uh, could sin and the church would take money and they could buy what's called an indulgence. In other words, uh, I can do what I want and I pay the church and give them money and they say, yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. So so sin could be bought. Uh, so Luther had said that The church was no longer going to be an intermediary uh, between the individual and God, and this could be the individuals. And the selling of indulgences wasn't necessary because a person could simply pray and ask for forgiveness. So I think he appealed to these folks and said, we can get out of this usury that we're paying the, the church and taxes we're paying the church. So Luther then would say, yeah, yeah, and you're the selective God. So you guys are the chosen ones and you don't have to pay this anymore, and that this went forward. So probably the reason he didn't get burned at the stake was he cut a deal. Now, taking that forward, there is a belief that because the Lutheran church was a predominant church in Germany um, going into the Second World War, that once again, this could have been an enabling position in religion, to say, uh, well, they, uh, these would not be our leaders if God didn't want them to be our leaders. So, so that, that said, um, this, these articles, both of them are really cool because what they look at is that, um, that um, religious uh, ideology provides a justification for the existing social order. And they looked at the imperial evidence that revealed one Religiosity is associated uh, with um, that with with a set of epistemic, existential, relational needs that then motivate system justification. In other words, um, I'll just uh, support the system uh, uh, because it, it supports me and and it it fits with the higher power that I believe in, and it's also this. Um, Uh, endorsement of a view called a just world. So work ethic, market ideology, opposition to equality, authoritarianism, conservatism and other systemic beliefs um, are supported by this sense that uh, it's God's world and and it's it's a just world uh, and that what is taking place would not take place were it not something that God had willed. Um, and uh, it also can lead to people feeling more self-satisfied. Uh, you know, if you t- listen to some of the far right-wing politicians, when they speak of religion, they speak of being redeemed, being saved, being protected under the righteousness of God. So this is the uh, these two articles uh, which are, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, they, they talk about <clears throat> this belief that it is a just and fair world and that the things that exist, exist uh, uh, under the, under um, under, um, uh, theologically enabled dominance and then that absolves us from having to uh, worry as much about fairness, justice, equity, equality and those things that are the cornerstone of justice uh, for others.